Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to this Speaking From Our Hearts podcast episode where today I'm joined by a gentleman called Nick Hyam. We're going to be doing a special series around living the life that you are and in this episode one today we're going to be tackling the question, who am I? So Nick, very, very warm welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. That, that timeless question, Nick, three simple words, six letters, but what a question. Who am I? Everybody in the world at one time or another surely has asked that question. Nick, where do we start with this? It is the, the fundamental question, isn't it, of, of humankind uh, within different belief systems and religions and philosophies and within the schools of psychology and even the sciences. It's, it's a huge question. And why do we ask it? Well, because our existence seems to be quite a mystery, doesn't it? Why am I here? What is this all about? What is the world? And who am I? Um, it's, it's everything, really. And if we can kind of unlock that question, then surely the, the, the questions of the cosmos and the universe will be also unlocked. Is it too simplistic to just kind of, uh, you know, lay the foundations uh, by saying... Well, usually who you are is not who you think you are. That's it. That's it. But, you know, I agree because I've, I've asked this question and, I, and I've done my own self-reflection. Often in spirituality, it's called self-inquiry. It's also called meditation. These questions do come up in those uh, ancient spiritual technologies, which are actually tried and tested and very good actually for for answering those questions. Now, the answer may not be uh, an intellectual cerebral one. It may not be, uh, it may not present itself in words or in knowledge. It will perhaps present itself in other ways. Um, so we also have to be open to that. Nick, I want to start the ball rolling by sharing a little bit. Um, at the age of eight, my mother remarried and that began the journey of far more desperate, negative ways of being that lasted for decades. Up until that point, I lived with my mother, my grandmother, and although we were very, very, very poor, I can remember being blissfully happy. And then enter the stepfather, who I have sort of referred to as the beast, for his beyond despicable behaviour, that uh, very quickly turned into physical violence. But as a kid of eight, witnessing this, of course, you know, I used to break down and cry and stop it, stop it, stop it. And, you know, those, those memories, um, you know, for many years were very vivid. And they're still vivid, but there's no attachment with them anymore. Ah. And that's the difference. 
because once he laid a finger on me to shut me up from crying, he upped his cruelty game, as I called it, into sickening acts of mental torture. So I needed something to focus on. And so what happened was I created this belief system that one day I would play for Nottingham Forest Football Club. Mm. It gave me, it was a light for me to follow when all of the aspects of my life were very, very, very dark. That all came crashing down when Forrest lost in the space of three days to a team that played in black and white. I couldn't cope because the language that I'd attached to my emotions, Nick, was one of betrayal. And I couldn't cope because my rationale in my twisted mind or twisted logic, should I say, was I've put all my faith in you as my guiding light and now you've betrayed me. And it was totally distorted. But that was my story. I ran away from home. I took a razor blade and I knew what I was going to do. And it was all, mm. the, all the suffering, all the pain, all the, mm. all the turmoil, everything would be gone. And yeah. something happened. Something pushed me from behind. And I stumbled forward, fell flat, flat on, on my front. I couldn't find the razor blade afterwards. I just burst into floods of tears. Mm. Now, my world was very black and white. But I, de I developed this as part of my identity, of my mask, if you will, because what I was so vulnerable and insecure inside me that I couldn't bear any more pain. Guys don't talk about love. They fight and they drink. And this was my world. But the black and white significance carried on beyond that in as much that there was deep-rooted insecurity, anger, issues, violent issues with me. And what I learned, Nick, is I would go into a white phase, right, cut the drink dead. Mm. Uh, and I'd be in a right mess physically. From the age of 10, I was, I was psycho psychologically addicted to alcohol. So this whole kind of black, white, on, off was my life. And that life prevailed for decades. Yeah. So this who am I became a whole question of what I now know is duality or this mask, this alter ego, call it what you will. Although it was so polarized from who I'm now becoming more and more aware of who I truly am, that stark polarization, dare I say that stark black and whiteness, mm. actually helped to find out who I really am. There's something about journeying through duality to come upon non-duality. It's like we have to split ourselves up into two and multiple parts and then for those parts to sort of crumble down there's a polarization inside us a, a contraction which creates stuck frozen parts within ourselves, which are both energetic sensory based and and story based and we suffer and we project those parts out into the world but we do have to journey through duality in order to find ourselves. That seems to be what we're faced with or tasked with in this, in this paradigm, this human paradigm. Life is non-dual. The appearance is duality, is separation. There could have been just a expansive nothingness, which wasn't even a nothingness because you have to have something to create nothing 
nothing. It's just a, a contrast with, with, with everything. So it wouldn't even have been a nothing. And yet, look what's been manifested out of that pure self, that non-dual self. All of this world of contrast and, and, and duality has, has come. And so then we're faced with that and we lose ourselves. We lose who we really are because we're so caught up with duality. We're so caught up with all this otherness and this separateness. And it's, it's confusing. And like we were saying in, in, in a previous podcast, it's the catalyst for suffering. And it's the catalyst for our search. Duality is the medium in which we know ourselves. However, before we can know ourselves, we have to get caught up in all of the complex play of black and white and up and down and uh, all of the polarities which get created. If we keep going through it, we do reach a point of often total exhaustion, of uh, intense deep depression, of um, potentially what's been called awakening or enlightenment where things just come crashing down and there's an opening, a clearing is made in the forest and there's a, an expansion, awareness, consciousness becomes apparent and we look into that awareness and we start to know ourselves as that awareness in which all of this play of duality happens and then we're liberated to then use duality for creativity and for play and for ex exploration, for self-exploration, because it's all us. And without play and exploration and creativity and the capacity to know that we are that open wide space in which all of this happens, we get stuck in that place of separateness. So it's a bit of a paradox Duality is the, is the way we uh, know ourselves, um, but we have to be open to questioning duality. As I was listening to your, your story there, which is uh, you know, full of intense suffering, but also moments of expansion and clarity and healing, actually, there was something that kept you going through that forest, through that darkness, and that you came out and you were able to detach. And I'll be curious to know what that was. But let's just look at some of those feelings and states that came up in your story, if, if, if we may. Um, so I was hearing betrayal a lot, which seems to be the, 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 the key theme there, um, both as a child and, and as, a, as a young adult as well, that, that sense of betrayal and and victimhood and, mm. and fear and anger and this constant warring, this, this, this fight that was going on and death, facing death as well, or the, or the possibility of death, both your mother's and your, and your own, and victimhood as well. The author of a book called Non-Dual Therapy, Georgie Y. Johnson, she's listed these qualities which she calls the non-dual qualities and it's a very, very good framework to look into who am I and to understand the story, tap into those parts that have become polarized and, and stuck within us. She lists these qualities. They range from direction, curiosity, discernment, well-being, purity, beauty, synchronicity, 
um, and so on. They're just a few of them. Um, as you were talking, I was just hearing key words like betrayal, like I said, um, a victimhood, a suicide, insecurity, uh, war or, or fighting, vulnerability. And so this becomes the self-concept. It's not who you are ultimately, but it, it's, it's what you believe about yourself through these, these core experiences from a, a formative age where you were impressionable. Early on, there was trust. There was power, perhaps. There was empathy. There was a sense of life. There was release. There was safety. There was responsivity. There was compassion. There was peace. And those experiences with your father then created this split, this duality. Trust became betrayal and loyalty. You know, I've got to be loyal to my, my mother. I, I think I've got to be loyal to my father, but he's being abusive. And it's confusing. And power we lose our power when there's, when there's victimization and abuse and trauma. So once there was power, a spontaneous child-like power of, of just exploring life and feeling empowered to just, just be and to be accepted for being, it can turn into abuse and victimhood. That's a polarization there, of what happens from power. And once there was empathy and that turns into cruelty, and self-pity you know once there was release and that can turn into murder and suicide actually they are the two polarities there safety turns into insecurity and and security like the play of the, the opposites there compassion turns into fear and anger peace turns into surrender and war so this is what happens so we identify with these memories and the bundle of sensations and sounds and thoughts and words and the five senses come together to then form the character. That sensory experience of the experience of the trauma then come together to create a self-concept, an identity. And as I said, this is, this is often unconscious, um, and but we do act it out in, in the world and we tend to attract relationships of a similar dynamic. What we see ourselves as being, we then project onto the world and we seek similar frequencies, basically similar energies, whether that's to reinforce a story or to, to dissolve the story. Non-dual qualities can become polarized into duality and it forms the sense of self and then we're, we're left with well who am i i don't understand myself i've got these mixed feelings is this, is that who i am or am i more than that who am i so that question is then the beginning of the spiritual journey that it takes it into a, the possibility of releasing those stories of dissolving them or at least softening them and being detached, like you said. So even though those qualities keep showing up in our life, those are fragments which keep coming up, but they, there is a possibility of healing. So they no longer are who we are. Is it a question? I mean, that makes perfect sense, uh, Nick, because just to kind of put the, uh, the cap on that particular phase, stroke story, call it what you will. When I left that, uh, the family home I went to live with my grandmother my mm. mother stayed with him in the in, in that home 
um, and I went to live with my grandmother. What's interesting, just listening to you speak there, Nick, and what happened was, as I walked out the door for the final time, I actually whispered to him. Now, bearing in mind, I, was, I wasn't even 14 at the time. Mm. I whispered to him, mm. one day I will return and I will kill you. And they were my exact words. That was a moment of release. You were walking out, you were released. And yet, because of those horrific memories and the mental torture and the sadistic violence and your mother being a pinch bag and you being a pinch bag, that release was then polarized into murder. And later on, as you said, it also became suicide. So we can see how there, that, that moment of release, which is a non-dual quality and part of your nature, then it turns into murder and suicide and because of the pain that you were carrying. Yeah. Um, and I carried that pain for many, many years. I mean, it kind of came to a head, Nick, when I was 28. Mm. Um, and I'd been stewing this up, you know, the black and white years in between had prevailed, you know, building myself up, leaving school work, you know good relationships, sabotage, sabotage mm. everything, build it up, black, white, black, white, black, white. When I was 28, mm. and I actually went with the intent to kill him. Suffice to say I didn't. His life was saved. My life was saved from a life sentence in prison. And, you know, the rest is history. And then I went on a very, 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 I was like a spring, on a very, very long, concerted, white phase of life. And this was my mm. whole way of thinking as well mm. around this release of, okay, now I need to put something back into society, mm. um, my parents, if you will, and did loads of charity work, trained really hard physically, good job, good relationship. Just to go, to go back to Georgie Y. Johnson's model of the non-dual qualities and how they get polarized. So you were able to turn cruelty and self-pity back into its non-dual quality of empathy. Mm. Beautiful. What gave you the power to do that? A sense of purpose. And that's why, you know, my framework um, of the three pillars of life is exactly that. It's purpose, it's prosperity, it's philanthropy. And in very simple terms of purpose, a reason to get out of bed every day, that's not enough, so we need more. We need prosperity. That's not necessarily financial. You know, the loving relationships, the connection with society. Now, all of a sudden, we're not only getting out of bed in the morning, but we feel good about life. Mm. But for us to feel good about life, invariably, we've learned a lot of lessons along the way. Mm. And the philanthropy for me is not necessarily financial. Again, it's around passing those lessons back on into society so people do not have to suffer the way that, you know, certainly I suffered for many years, for decades. Um, mastering life is as simple as ABC. Mm. A is awareness. Where's our starting point? What are we aware of here? Because we don't know what we don't know. The B is the beliefs. And I've obviously given an example of how profound my beliefs were, particularly mm. around a certain football club. And they would be my salvation before mm. the inverted commas betrayal. But what really that was, was giving my power away to something outside of myself. And, and then the C is the creativity of actually looking at things differently rather than, um, you know, just what's in my head. Mm -hmm. 
salvation is another one of the non-dual qualities which gets polarized into both condemnation and redemption. So as we explore these qualities and their polarities, we see how a sense of me gets formed and through a process of exploring, we come back to those pure non-dual qualities. It's an alchemic process turning a distortion back into gold. You're no longer the one who is condemned. You're no longer the one who is a victim or insecure. You become salvation itself. You become safety itself. You become power itself. And how, how awareness manifests is through these qualities. We can't describe awareness. Awareness is more like a capacity it's more like a, a boundless ocean. You can't describe a, a boundless ocean, but you can describe the waves. You can say this wave has this form, this other wave has this shape. In this world where we've got this wonderful creative mind, we can then apply qualities to awareness. And awareness is prior to the, the concepts about who we are. Ramana Maharashi provides this very simple framework of self-inquiry. It's just three questions. Who am I? Who knows these thoughts? From where has this I arisen? So, who am I? I'm a victim. I'll just give an example here. I'm a victim. Who knows that thought, I'm a victim? My mind knows that thought. Are you the mind? Seems to be part of me, but it isn't my entirety. It's just one part of me. Or what knows the mind? Awareness knows the mind. From where has the mind arisen? Awareness. Are you awareness? Yeah, it seems to be that that's the most permanent foundation it seems eternal and from where has this awareness arisen well that i don't know i don't know but there's a a conviction that i am it i am that that's with a capital t that is a pointer to something we can't describe my mind is a part of me, a very valuable part of me, but it's not me. And I think yeah. that for me is a very, very simple distinction as we embark upon that journey of inquiry that you allude to. Um, absolutely. So we're stepping back. We're caught up in the forest of concepts. We're, we're caught in the forest of duality, of black and white. And we can't help but then identify with, with all of that complexity. And we feel lost and confused we make a clearing within that forest we get some space and then we can start asking these questions in uh, Advaita it's known as neti neti which translates to not this not this and I sometimes call it mindful negation get out of that complexity and that darkness step into the light of awareness shine the light of awareness 
onto those parts of your experience which come together so habitually and present a, a solid sense of me. And with inquiry, we just we just look at one by one, very gently and compassionately. We give each one of those f- facets of experience to space and time just to show themselves. And we just say, this is who I am. So if, if who am I is the great question in inquiry, the greatest meditation is focusing on the knowledge that you are. So there's who am I and there's I am. And what is that I am? That I am is consciousness. I'm alive. I exist. I know that I am. Despite all these ideas and beliefs about myself, I can come back to this I amness. Before the mind says, I am a good person, a bad person, come back to the I am. Step back, come back to the I am prior to the conceptualization and be with that be with the I am and sit with it by way of bringing this particular episode to a close Nick I would like if I can to ask you to frame a question so Mm. that we how you would the question kind of acts as a thread conduit a bridge call it what you will between the end of this first fascinating discussion on episode one but would also act then as a foundation for episode two around this topic of who am i Mm. to sit with the question who am i sit with the, the fact of your existence of the i am and don't rush into trying to find answers because you know what there's great freedom in not knowing not needing to know of just being with the mystery of this moment and that's it isn't it that i mean what what a powerful way to bring it to a close um nick i want to thank you immensely again i really do how can people reach out to you, Nick, and, and get in touch with you, find out more about you, your work, your invaluable insights? What's your contact details? So it's www.nisagayoga.com. Nisaga means that which is prior to concepts. In other words, it means natural. It means innate. And yoga means connection natural connection or natural unity and that's what living the life that you are means and at that point listeners all that remains for me to say is no matter what you do in life always walk your path with heart hearts helping everyone achieve results towards success.